famous detective Sherlock Holmes and his assistant, Dr. Watson, decided to go camping. And they found a perfect spot to set up camp. They pitched their tent. And as it was about sunset, they built a fire. In the nighttime hours, they talked for hours about all the cases that they had solved through their, through their, through their wonderful powers of deduction. Then they, it's time to go to bed. They went to their sleeping bags. They fell asleep. And in the middle of the night, Holmes wakes up Watson. He says, Watson, look up at the sky and tell me what you deduce. So Watson pondered the night sky. And then he says, well, Holmes, there are millions of stars. And I'm sure there are tens of millions of planets around those stars. And even if just a tiny fraction of those planets are like the planet Earth, I deduce there must be life on other planets. And Holmes says to Watson, Watson, you fool, somebody stole our tent. People are fascinated with the idea of life on other planets. And scientists, in fact, try to find some kind of signs or evidence that there could be life on other planets. And so they look for things that are similar to things about the Earth and its location in our solar system. But one of the things that they know they have to find, if there's any chance for life, is liquid water. Water is essential for life. It has properties uh, that allow it to be a solvent for all kinds of chemical reactions that sustain life. Water is also a fitting symbol for another kind of life, one that is far greater than mere biological existence. Today's gospel begins with Jesus, the Samaritan woman, and a misunderstanding about water. The woman has come to the well to draw water. Jesus tells her that if she knew who he was, she would ask him for living water. She thinks he's talking about ordinary water, H2O. So he tells her this, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling to eternal life. We desire many things. These desires have been put in us so that we can seek things that we need to survive and even flourish. Food and security, health, intimacy and friendship. Of all our desires, thirst is the most urgent and most basic. Right? We can't go many days without water and still live. And all of us have experienced at one time or another this strong sensation of thirst. Maybe on a hot day you're gardening or you go for a long run and how refreshing it is to quench that thirst, the cold glass of water. But the thing is, after you do that, after several hours, you're thirsty again. And this is true of every created good. Created goods can satisfy us, but the satisfaction is never permanent and it is never complete. The Rolling Stones were right when in the 1960s they sang, I can't get no satisfaction. I try and I try and I try. I just can't get no satisfaction. And this is part of the human dilemma. And this can get us into all sorts of messes when we try in wrong ways to satisfy the deeper desires that God has given us. Now, we don't know the whole story about the Samaritan woman, but we can deduce some things. One is from a small detail at the beginning of the gospel story. She was there at noon to draw water. And drawing water required a lot of energy. And you, to carry it back, you might carry it back miles, was difficult. So when do you think would be a better time to draw water than noon? <laughs> it would be early in the morning. 
And that's probably when all the other women from the village were there drawing water. And she wasn't with them for a reason. Perhaps she had been outcast by them. We also know that she has had five husbands, and the man that she's living with at the time she meets Jesus is not her husband. To quote another song, this one from the 1980s, she was looking for love in all the wrong places. But then she meets Jesus, and he offers living water. Living water that wells up to eternal life. So what exactly is this living water? St. Paul tells us in the second reading that the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given us. This is what God wants to give us, the very gift of his life and love dwelling within us. And it is only this that can perfectly sustain and satisfy us. It is the fulfillment of our desires. Another important thing to notice is where, all, where this conversation is taking place. This conversation between a Jew and a foreign woman is taking place at a well. Go back to the Old Testament and you'll see there were other encounters at wells between a Jew and a foreign woman. And when that happens, it led to marriage. Moses met his wife at a well. Isaac's marriage to Rebekah was arranged at a well. And Jacob met his wife Rachel at a well. Seems like a pretty good pickup place. Samaritan woman represents all of us. Christ desires an intimate, loving relationship with us. Do you think about, do you think about your faith in that way? You know, it's so much more to be a true Christian than to do certain things or say certain prayers. But it is to have this intimate relationship, which is deepened and expressed through daily prayer, prayer from our hearts, where we thank God, we ask for his help, where we listen to God speaking to us and guiding us. Thomas Smith is a convert from Mormonism to Catholicism. His story is shared online. And, you know, as a, a good young Mormon man, he went on mission. Maybe some of you have had more missionaries come to your doors. They go two by two. So he and his companion were on mission in a poor part of Alabama. And they get to this one house that's really more of a shack. They knock on the door, and they're greeted by an elderly African-American woman. So they begin with their pitch. They ask her if she was interested in the message of Jesus and if they could talk to her about it. And she invited them in. And then, as they usually did, they asked her if she would like them to begin with prayer or if she wanted to pray. And 99% of the time, the people would just let the missionaries start the prayer. But this woman immediately started to pray. She closed her eyes, and the two missionaries kind of felt that they should close her eyes as well. She bowed her head, and she began to pray. And this is what uh, Thomas Smith says. I remember distinctly, as I heard her praying to God... I thought if I looked up, I would see him sitting next to her on her worn couch. This was not just her God, but her best friend, her dearest companion, who had seen her through a lifetime of suffering and prejudice. I knew that she really knew him, while I may only know about him. I wanted that kind of intimacy she shared with the Creator. We see actually in this gospel a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. So the Samaritan woman has the encounter with Christ and she tells her neighbors about him. 
And they do believe because of her word. But then what? They want to meet Jesus for themselves. And so then they spend time with Jesus. And then they say, well, now we not not only believe because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And this is how Christ wants to relate to all of us. So we come to believe initially because of what? The word of the apostles recorded in the New Testament, preserved by the church. Maybe it was the faith of our parents or our grandparents. I can't tell you how many times I talk to people who are not really close to the Lord anymore, but they remember their grandmother and how she prayed, you know, and, and it's, it's not enough to just come from this lineage of faith, right? God wants to have that relationship with each of us. And the thing is, maybe you don't feel like you could close your eyes and bow your heads and pray aloud like that, like that, woman, like that woman did in Alabama. But you can start you can start by asking God to make his presence known to you. I think everyone is capable of that kind of relationship with the Lord if they truly want it and desire it. And you also have to ask God to, uh, or rather offer to God, uh, that you'll accept whatever he has to do in your life, whatever rearranging he has to do in your life, so that you could come to that place of an intimate relationship. Whenever we see the waters in Scripture, we think of, of course, the sacrament of baptism, a sign of new life given to us by God. We are plunged into the death and resurrection of Christ. Our sins are taken away, and the Holy Spirit becomes a spring of water, welling up in our souls unto eternal life. But that spring can be covered up with the mud of sin. And so Jesus gives us the sacrament of confession. Tomorrow at 7 p.m. in this church, we'll have 16 priests will be available for our parish penance service. And so if it's been a while for you, certainly if it's been more than a year for you, you need to go to confession. So take advantage of that opportunity. In a very subtle and gentle way, Jesus hears the confession of this woman. Actually, he reads souls. He's, he's better than Padre Pio evenly, right? Because he knows what her difficult history has been. But he, he makes her bring it up. They have to bring that up so that she can be free from that. You know, so often, what are our sins? Our sins are our attempts to fill that, uh, that desire for infinite love in other ways, wrong ways. And so we need to set that down. So the woman sets down her water jar, and then she goes to proclaim Christ. Let us say with her to Jesus, Lord, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty anymore.